0: Have you ever dreamed of being able to make more money, live a better life, and have the financial freedom that's rightfully yours? Well, now is your chance. With an engaging perspective and tone, your host, Ryan Dement, will guide you through your journey to financial freedom one step at a time. Let's get to it. Here is your host, Ryan Dement.
1: Hey guys, Ryan Dement from Chasing Financial Freedom Podcast. I hope you guys are having a great day. This week, I do have a very special guest because he came on at the last second because we had a cancellation. We know how that works. We have Jerry McNamara. And Jerry's is working on something that's near and dear to my heart. And I'm going to read his profile just a little bit for you guys, and then we'll let Jerry come in, tell a story. Jerry's on a personal mission to positively impact 5 million people in five years through better business. He helps CEOs have more fun by creating compelling businesses that outperform. And oh, by the way, he gets home every
0: night for dinner. Jerry, welcome to the show. Ryan, thanks for having me. I was super pumped when I got a message from you and said you had a cancellation. So it's my pleasure to be here and have a conversation with you.
1: You are more than you're more than welcome. But thank you for coming in and I truly enjoy you coming in. It's we had a pre-call several months ago, and I really liked what you're doing. So before we get into that, Tell everyone a little bit about you and we'll get into your story.
0: Yeah. So I've been super lucky over the course of my career, Ryan. I've run five different businesses in five different industries. I've done it in B2B. I've done it in B2C. I've sold products and I've sold services. And that's only just to say that I've been in the right place at the right time to help lead companies onto the franchise 500, being 500, and still get best places to work. And so I think you can run a high growth company still love your people and have a really fun, compelling place to work. And so as I look at it, I keep on coming back to this whole idea that I've never met anyone who's shown up to work and said, you know what? I really want to suck today. And yet (laughs) there are so many ineffective people every single day and it's not their fault. It's leader's fault. And I've never been the technical leader inside any business that I've run. And I've always been a high learner. But really what it is, leadership is universal because your work is all done through people. You're not actually doing the doing. And so trying to help leaders get out of their own way to run compelling businesses. No, by the way, we still want to get home for dinner, right? Because I think people become disillusioned when we have all of this outward success with a lack of fulfillment. If I wasn't making it home for dinner with my family, at what cost did all of that success come? And to me, that's too great. I mean, helping people get to that space of conscious intention, living your life on your terms, which is really fulfillment. That's my goal in in helping my CEOs.
1: We truly don't live exactly what you're talking about because 25 year, as I say, a 25 year recovering addict from corporate America, just saying, I always chased the next paycheck. I chased the next position and it was always at the expense of my family, loved ones, friends, Mm because all I did was work. And it's amazing how you can swap your mindset to say, I am now going to find a way that I'm going to be able to balance that out, be home for dinner every single night, but still do well in the workplace. And you can do that. It's just, I don't know how to describe it is corporate America just doesn't allow us to do that. It's all about them. And you're chasing somebody else's dream to
0: be real. (laughs) I think you're hundred percent right, Ryan. Let me just raise my hand as a guy who I haven't always got it right. And I was 26 years old. I was helping run a high growth company. We went from 5.9 million to 15 million in 18 months. We were raising venture capital three different times. I had a $5 million check sitting in the middle of the table. And I found myself traveling, opening stores. We had 35 stores in 13 states. Um, raising venture capital and running a company. Those are two independent things at the same time. I was sleeping on the couch outside of my office and on Valentine's day, I thought I was having a heart attack. And so I was laying on a gurney and I remember counting the dots in one of those industrial ceiling tiles and I was counting them. And I just thought, you idiot! What what have you done? Yeah, it was great. Your ego was huge because you know you're 26 years old, and you're doing all these amazing things, but it's come at a great cost to your health. And my friendships were not amazing. I don't tell this story, but my wife still doesn't believe me. But I didn't kiss a woman for four years because I was so busy. And I said, "Sweetheart, that's not something you brag about." Uh, no, but I was so busy that I had lost sight of myself as a person. And I was pouring everything into the business. And so I think that's a lot of what entrepreneurs do. And when we had spoken before, Ryan, this whole notion of what society tells us, particularly entrepreneurs, you have to serve your business and you're right, you're going to serve the business, but getting sucked into this idea of, I want more and I want it now sets you up for this, man, you are on the mouse wheel of serving everyone else's interests without stopping to think, is this really what I want? Is this what's good for me in my life at this point in time? And I'm a big believer of bringing conscious intention. Again, I'll say your life on your terms. I think fulfillment is the highest obligation that you have to live your life. And so that is, if you want more and you want now, that's fine. But I find people who just stack lots of hundreds into their bank accounts suddenly look up at some point in time and say, is that all there is? Is this it? And I have this whole concept of the three F's uh, and I say, finances create freedom for fulfillment and finances are simply an instrument. It's a tool for you to go do the things that you want to do in life, to create the impact that you really want to make. And I think a lot of people chase it in a wrong way. They think it's to stack as many hundred dollar bills into the, the account as possible. And then they become really disillusioned when they do that and they go, oh my God, that's all there is. It's uh,
1: it's amazing what we do. And, and I remember on our pre-call, you talked about that. And I think there was a gentleman or a client that you were working with that had really stacked up a lot of money and then either cashed out or whatever. I don't remember the whole story. And he was yeah. left with, what do I have now? I've got
0: money, but I have nothing else in my life. And that was exactly the conversation that we had. And I said, you thought the pursuit of money was the end goal in and of itself. And it's not, it's to create the impact that you want to go make. And about six months later, after we had that conversation, he called me back and he said, this is amazing. I've now realized that what you said, money is the tool. And he was making the impact that he wanted to make on his community. And it was super fun to hear because Someone who's been driven that long to get disillusioned once they actually reach that destination. And then to be able to turn that around in six months and was doing lots of community service and giving back to the community. It is possible, but it, again, comes back to conscious intention. What's the impact that you want to go make on the world?
1: Or you got, I think it even goes back even further is you got to make that decision that you want to make an impact on the world. And there's just some
0: people, unfortunately, that don't want to. It's hard for me to imagine. I think it's a good example. My, my dad has always said that's why they make chocolate and vanilla ice cream. I guess I just wouldn't see the world that way because I look at money and generational wealth, and I may be on the wrong side of, of this coin. But if you haven't been on the side of creating your own money and your your own opportunity I think you're robbed of a chance in life to really have that fulfillment, to say that I have gone and used my gifts to the world and used my potential to create something magical as opposed to being given something. That's just my own personal view there.
1: Agree 100% because it also creates total character for yourself. You get to go through those failures. You get to learn from them. You get to grow. I mean, it's, and I think we talked about it is in our pre-calls, being in corporate America for so long, I never was taught how to be a fisherman. And I say this all the time because they truly didn't. Mm -hmm. I was fat and happy every two weeks. I was great at managing people, call centers, you name it. But when it came down to really go after what I wanted in life and be able to go accomplish those things, I I never did. And that's why I had two failed. is when I I stepped out on my own and did that and did my thing. I wouldn't give those up, those experiences up for the world because it really opened my eyes to who I could be and yep. who I needed to be, and that's part of that whole giving back and in, in working with others. I get more fulfilled when I actually sell a house to a family that's in need that has never been given an opportunity to buy a house than picking some stocks and making some money. It really doesn't have any it doesn't ha- really have any impact on me. The family being able to buy a home learn financial literacy and pass that along to their kids. And then, as you said, generational wealth, that house can be passed along. I have three homebuyers now that bought houses from us. They want to be landlords. They want to move out of their houses that we sold them. And now they want to be landlords. They want to move up into another house and start doing the exact same thing. Three to five years, stay in a house, turn it into a rental, go buy another one. God
0: bless them, man. That just makes me. It is. And I think it's the gift of using your your own skills and potential to go make the impact that you want to go make in the world. And you mentioned at the beginning, I'm on a mission to positively impact 5 million people over the next five years. My skills do not match my ambition right now. And so I am working really hard, maybe harder than I ever have in my career in working on my skills and learning um, from people like you, share your knowledge with me. We get to bounce ideas off each other. That's an amazing opportunity to say, okay, how do we continue to level up ourselves to go make the impact that we're supposed to go make? But I make, I don't know, I have no expectation or anticipation that if I don't put the work in and make the effort, that I'm gonna get the outputs that I desire. And I think there's so many people that, I love Austin Cleo saying about this, there's so many people that wanna be the noun without doing the verb. And I just, I love that because you have to go do the work. And I think that's so important.
1: And I think part of our characteristics as humans is we're instant gratification beings. We want it today, not tomorrow. I see this a lot in our financial literacy side of our business to where people are Mm -hmm. out chasing the Joneses are broke. Unfortunately, they're going to file bankruptcy and it's all things that you're buying. And it you don't need things, you need experiences and experiences mm. come with a lot of different things. And it's sad to see some of these people. And I too was there and had to go through finding a way to get myself. My second business failed, had $100,000 in debt. I couldn't file mm-hmm. bankruptcy otherwise, I wouldn't be able to work in the financial industry. So guess what? I had to strap it on and figure out how I was going to pay it and make it work. And it was tough, but it's amazing how we don't want to work for the things that we really want. And I know the internet is good and bad, but the internet is taught people, Hey, let me just put a, a video out and go instant. I think we talked about this. I'm going to go viral
0: and all That's of a sudden, right. I'm going to be a millionaire. And it's it doesn't work. work that way. Yeah. I love saying this. I like to hire from the scratch and denial because yeah. I want the people that have had their teeth bashed in and live to tell the story. Because those are the people that are truly, when things are tough and business is tough, life is tough. It's not easy. They're the ones that figure a path forward. And those are the people that you want to be involved with. The guy that has the story about, hey, my business failed, but you know what? I dug back out from a hundred grand in in debt and I didn't declare bankruptcy. And that's a great story. That's someone that I want to be involved with. And I was listening to you talk about, it's not. Material things, it's experiences. I don't know if I shared this with you, but in October 2020, we sold our house, my wife and I, and we traveled the country with our two young kids during the middle of COVID. And for some people, that would be a crazy idea. For us, it aligned with our values as a family that we love to experience things and we love to travel. And for us, it was right. We just followed the rules wherever we went. But there were so many people that said, "Oh, I wish I could do that." And the answer is. You can do it. There's just, there might be changes. There might be, you might have to sell your house to go do that. That aligned with who we were as a family and what we wanted to go do and the experiences we wanted to create for our children. And, um, am believe me, it's not material things that you can take with you. I used to have this conversation with my mom who passed away two years ago. But she made it sixteen years after a liver transplant. She had twelve wow. inches of her bowel taken out, a heart attack, two bouts with lung cancer. We called her the Ox Ryan, and we we used to. I used to laugh with her. I said, "Mom, they're going to run out of nineteen forty two parts eventually," and and eventually they did. But she lived a great life. But she used to say to me, "Son, you can't take it with you, and you might as well spread joy while you're here, and again make that impact that you're meant to go make and." I just think there's so many people that get sold a bill of goods that isn't real, that doesn't actually lead to alignment of your vision. What's your vision for the world? Has anyone actually sat down and written their vision out? One of my tenants of my vision is I want to have more fun than anyone else, positively impacting the world. It's part of what it is that I do. And so all the things, all my actions that I take are all in alignment of How do I add more joy and more fun to the world? Because I think that's what I'm supposed to do as a human. But if you can align your vision with your values and your actions, you you puff your chest out, you smile more often. There's an ease that goes along with that as opposed to chasing some theoretical finish line where there's Mm -hmm. a pot of gold. There is no pot
1: of gold. I love that. And I love that you guys went out and traveled did you guys just stay physically in the United States or did you guys go overseas?
0: We we would have gone overseas if the overseas was open. But oh, no, that's right. It shut down. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So you know, we spent a lot of time in Denver, but we drove across the country. We were going to have an RV, but then we, when we decided it was winter time. We decided to go to Denver first because my wife loves to uh, snowboard. An RV was not an ideal living situation when it's negative 15 in Denver. (laughs) So we ended up driving our SUV across the country. We had a great time, spent time there, went to Hawaii to fall out for a little bit because we were so cold from Denver. And it was just amazing to go see the sights and sounds. It was incredible. True opportunity to see how insignificant we are as individuals when you get to see so much land and so many different people. And to think that the United States is only a fraction, a small fraction of the world. And so humbling, humbling for sure.
1: What started that story said in, I'm paraphrasing, that people say they wish they could do it. I agree with you they just don't want to fight the change and say that they're going to have to make changes in their life to get to the other side. And it's funny is I put out on my social channels outside of what I do is I help people with change coaching. And Mm -hmm. that's one of my messages. Hey, you know what? Change doesn't have to be a four letter word. You can do it, but you got to put the effort and time in and Man, I know I'm in the right space when I get a lot of people hating on me because I don't listen to the <laughs> positive or negative. I just, I take it as is. And I put out a video, a Reels yesterday on Facebook about get off the couch, stop watching Netflix. And if you want to change your life, you got to be present and actually be there and be a participant. And I had one person put out there and I, and this is, it's funny, but it's just where we're at as a society. He said, how do you know what I'm doing? And I'm like, and I responded, I don't. But if you're paying attention to my post, Probably means you're, you're not out. actually, yes, you're not
0: actually putting <laughs> the work.
1: Out. So his response was, yes, I'm going to, he got pretty serious and he messaged me on the side in DMs and he's in a pretty bad space and he's mm. depressed. And I referred him out to a couple of counselors that I know that work nationwide remote, but he wants That's to awesome. change his life, but he doesn't know how to do it. And no one's ever helped him. And I said, feel free to reach out, man. If you need to talk to somebody, here's my telephone number, man. Just call me. I'll pick it up. And it yeah. is what it is, but. You've got to put the time and effort in. And he's like, I'm just tired of what I'm doing. I'm
0: like, change is here I come. And it's, I love that because I say this too, so aligned here, Ryan, which is if your thoughts, your feelings and your actions aren't serving you, then change them. You're the only one that can. And that comes from going through rehab a number of times in my life with loved ones and never overestimate your ability to change others. In fact, you have none and never underestimate your ability to change yourself. You're the only one that can. Exactly. I think that's, I think that's super critical. I talk a lot about mindsets and approaches to life. And in my experience, you're either Buzz Lightyear you're going to go take on the world to infinity and beyond, or you're Eeyore, right? The world is constantly yes. impacting you and you're worried about the weather and just all of these things. And having that internal locus of control is the hallmark of highest achieving people. I'm going to go make the impact and the stamp that I'm supposed to go make in life and be damned with the weather and be damned all of those things because that's my responsibility. I'm supposed to go make an impact on the world. And so, I'm going to take responsibility to go do that.
1: The place that I always start in, we can, I think this is going to be a good place. We go down a rabbit hole and then we got to talk about what you're doing with 5 million people. We struggle with that first step. Like you said, it's you're either Buzz Lightyear or you're Eeyore. My analogy is you're either a couch surfer or you're a climber. And sure. I agree with you 100%. Same, same concept. The problem is we can't seem to get off the couch because we're binge watching Netflix, Disney+, Hulu, whatever, Because it's comfortable and it's like, when does that comfortable truly change you and say, I'm tired of it or it breaks And what's easier, your new life to go to change, or you want to stay in that comfortable life. And it's sad that I hear more and more people say, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I'll just fix my, I'll I'll just fix where I'm at. And I get to go back on the couch
0: and then they complain about their life. And it's, you wonder why. (laughs) Amen. I think hope and fear are the two great motivators of life. And I think if you can't picture a life, and I'm thinking about the, the person that you helped with their first home, but now they want to be landlords. It's mm-hmm. amazing. What an amazing story that you have changed the world. You've changed the trajectory of that person's life. What a gift. I mean, that's awesome. And so when you really look at it, fear can be a motivator, but it's not sustainable. My fear comes from that survival our limbic system, because we're used to looking for lions around the corner and whether we need to run really fast to get away from them. But when you think about the thrive mind, which is really the hope, there has to be a strong connection to what your future state is. And so what is your future life look like? And I would tell you, stop and think about it. And if you can't see very far, because you're in that consumer mode instead of creator mode as you say the couch potato versus the climber what can you do in the next month what can you do in the next week what's can you do in the next day what can you do in the next hour and how do you get yourself to take those the smallest next step that you can to start creating momentum and if you can get yourself into that mindset of I have a responsibility because I have now declared that this is where I want to go and I this is my vision for my life, then just figure out how you take that one very next step, no matter how small that increment is, because that is your responsibility. You have a choice. You can either stay on the couch or you can go climb the mountain that you're meant to go climb you said all the things I talk about on a daily
1: basis. It's amazing. You're like reading my mind. I boil it down to one simple thing. Do one tiny thing, sit down. What do you want to change in your life? And it could be something that is, I want to change my wardrobe or whatever, but Mm -hmm. taking that baby step of saying, I'm going to do something today for that. It's huge. But until you start making a step forward or a step off the couch, nothing can change. And something I say, unfortunately, and I say, unfortunately, is because I'd like to be able to help everybody, but I know I can't. And Mm -hmm. when someone comes to me and they're struggling financially and they're like, I want you to do all the work. And I'm like, clearly we're not on the same page. So I just have to let them know, hey, we'll be here when you're ready. And they'll say, like, what does that mean? I said, because when you're ready to take the step into your financial freedom or what you're trying to accomplish, we'll be your guide. We're not going to do the work we're not going to put in all the effort. That's you. We're going to support you. are going to be a cheerleader, hold you accountable. We can do everything but do the work. And most of the responses are, wow. And I'm like, yes, because guess what? I've got to do that for my own life too. I've got to hold myself responsible for everything I do on a daily basis. So do you. So does everyone else. And that just brings up a whole other conversation because
0: we know how that goes back and forth. But, but yeah. I, it's, I'm with huh, you. it's amazing huh. when people try and outsource the success of their own life to other people. It's like, huh, wait, hold on. I had a, a CEO that was interested in working with me. This is, this was last year sometime. And I said, well, what do you need from me in an engagement? And very similar to you, um, this person said, well, I need you to motivate me. And I said, "That that is not what, that is not what I do. Let's Let us be clear about that. You have to come with the motivation. I may inspire from time to time. That's cool. We can inspire each other. But if you are not motivated to, to make changes and to take action, this is, you don't need a guy like me. You don't need a guy like Ryan to help you get into the dream home that you want to have and start your path to financial freedom. If you're not willing to go do the work yourself, it's not ever going to happen. So stop being sad. Just accept that it's your life on your terms. If you want to sit on the couch, I can't stop you from doing that. Yep. And think about this in anything. You're only one half of the relationship. You live yourself in relation to someone else. And so I can only bring so much into the conversation, but if you're not willing to come do the work either, then it doesn't matter. And so I have to accept that Ryan doesn't want to do the work. Love him. I can support him. I can do all the things, give him the tools and resources. But if you don't want to do the work, it doesn't matter. I can, I'm stuck. And that's where you draw that healthy
1: relationship, that space where you have to step back and say, Hey, I'll give you the tools. I'll give you everything you need to succeed, but you've got to do the work. And until you do that work, there's not much more I can do from my aspect. And people struggle with that. They're like, what you're leaving me, leaving me behind. I had one guy tell me, yeah, you are leaving me behind. I'm like, I'm not leaving you behind. You, you've got to get up and say you're ready and actually do that work. And it's sad to see people that way. But at the same time, I, I want to put my time and effort into the individuals that want the help and will do the help. Oh, that's right. It. I should do the work. Excuse me. And unfortunately, some people are just not going to do that. And I get that. And when I first mm-hmm. got into the nonprofit space and, and doing the financial coaching, it was struggle. It was a tough struggle because I wanted to help everybody. We've evolved. And I think that's where everything comes from when I talk about change coaching and so forth is we all have it within ourselves. It's a matter of, do you want
0: to apply it and move forward? Mm -hmm. So, How how bad do you want the future state? And I have this whole model about the nine principles of personal performance and how high achievers live their life. And one of the principles is that you have to have grit, guts, and resilience. Discipline, while I love Jocko Willick and extreme ownership. Right? 0.5% of the universe has discipline for discipline's sake. Right. And they're all Navy SEALs. And thank God for them because, you know, they're amazing. For all the rest of us, the bigger connection we have, the emotional connection that we have to our why, which is our vision and our values, the easier it is to pick yourself up and off the ground and say, oh, yeah, I got knocked down, but I'm still headed in this direction. That's my North Star. And I'm going to continue to move there. And when you don't have that, then it's easy to give up. When you have no direction, no velocity, then it's easy to just stay on the ground and be like, oh, no one really gives a shit anyway. So I I guess I'll just stay here. And so I just, the more you can stay connected to your vision and your values, the better your quality of life is going to become. So start there. When you start thinking about where is that first step, sit down and ask yourself the question, what do I want to get out of life? And what am I willing to give? And that
1: those you would think are very, I don't want to say very, but they should be somewhat easy, especially as you get older in life. You Mm -hmm. could start to understand you've been through some stuff. A lot of people can't answer that because the first thing is I always ask is, what do you want to change? What do you want to do? I Mm -hmm. joke about it. What do you want to do when you grow up? It's truly that every day we get to reinvent ourselves because we wake up. We should be blessed and happy that we get to wake up and you get to go make a difference in the world look at life that way, because guess what? We only get one shot at life and that's it. Uh, Why not be happy? As you say, go out and enjoy and bring, bring happiness and smile on your face and have the most fun. You you got, we we could go down this rabbit hole and keep on keep on going. So I want to talk more about your, your, what you're going to do to impact 5 million people and how that's going and, what can I help or what can we do to get the word out there? or Whatever the case is. I mean, uh, that, that's a great goal. A lot of people could benefit from your knowledge
0: and experience. Th- thanks, Ryan. That's incredibly kind of you. I've always been in senior leadership inside every company. I've been super lucky in, in that regard. And I was brought in to run a business where I loved the work that I was doing. I loved the people that I was serving. And I just had values misalignment with the owner of the company. And that's okay. He's a great guy. Occasionally, I still mess, message him, but our approaches were vastly different. And it was the first time in my life where I was like, man, I just don't really love that I'm doing. And it had never occurred to me that people wouldn't like their work. But the reality of it is 75% of people don't really like showing up to work every single day. And what I realized through that experience was I was not the best husband that I could be to my wife. I was not the best father. I certainly wasn't the best friend because I didn't feel like going out having a beer with someone. And so it, it's when I really got committed to say, business doesn't have to be like this. What? Why do people show up to their work every single day, not enjoying it? And I really come back to, it's because people are not prepared to lead their companies. As my friend, Nathan Adams, who runs Red Tea Homes out in Denver, he said to me, Jerry, there's no training to be CEO. And I said, Nathan, you're right. And that's really what I'm working on is how do you create frameworks? Because frameworks are repeatable, scalable, and bring predictable success. And so it's why I have the nine principles of personal performance, because at the foundation of every company is our people. We have to have business models. And so the model that I've used to scale the businesses that I've been involved in, I built that framework, the business acceleration model. And the thing that glues those two things together is great leadership. And that's the place where moving from individual contributor. To leader, I think a lot of people get that wrong. There's a lot of people that are great at the work and great at doing their doing, but they're not great at leading people. And so if I can teach people over the next five years how to become a high performer, living your life on your terms, that you just love what you're doing, show up in the authentic way that you're meant to go show up in the world. And help leaders to show up in a predictable way so that their environment is fertile to make engaged, autonomous, and agile decisions for their people. It's not that hard. Just give people the rules of the game and then get the heck out of their way. And then business models by which we can look and say, "Ah, if I pull this lever, what's going to happen in the business? And we can really understand how to do that. If I can give people those frameworks over the next five years, I am certain that we're going to positively impact 5 million people. And that's really the goal. I want everyone to go home and I want them to say, you know what, I love my company and my CEO is so smart. I'm so clear on how I win every day. I feel challenged by the work that I'm doing. I'm comfortable that I have the tools, time, and training to be successful. And I really feel cared for as a human being inside this business. I can't believe I get paid every week to do this. If we can do that and all of our people go home every single day feeling that way, then that's a win. That's how you create that compelling company and compelling companies always outperform. When you talk to people about all these just incredible stories of teams coming together, it's all because they love the people that they're involved with and they're aligned with the mission that we're on and the impact that we're going to go make together. So helping people do that's what I'm all about. Sign me up. I'm ready.
1: <laughs>
0: You're in. You're in. I'm in. I love I, it. Thank
1: you. I, I'm in. That's growing up in corporate America. I struggled. I'm going from being a worker bee to a leader and understanding the difference between a manager and a leader. I learned, uh, I learned very early. I had some great bosses. And I don't know if we talked about it in the pre-roll, but one time my bosses came to my office, closed the door and said, put brain in gear before mouth opens because I would just have zero filter. And I, to this day, still remember that. I will always remember that. But when you humanize the people that are doing the work for you, it becomes so much easier to be a better leader. And sometimes you do have to be a manager because you're going to have to micromanage. You know, When I say micromanage, you got that 20% of people and they talk about it. I even, I define it even further. It gets down to 10 and eight and nine, nine and 8%, just for the simple fact. I can I could probably manage that that top portion of that 20% pretty well, mm-hmm. get them back on track and get them into being productive. That bottom 10%, God would have to jump in me to get them to do what we need to do. And, and that there's two things that are in that me as a leader and two as a hiring practice. And I learned yes. that in, in corporate America in a very long time is that if you don't set yourself up for success right out of the beginning, right out of the shoot for hiring understanding the type of personality you need in the person, the personnel support that you're going to need to be successful, it doesn't happen. And that was so huge in call centers because call center turnover rate is anywhere between 20 and 30% on a good day. And add in, I was doing collections, originations, back office. You had all those dynamics in there and it's no wonder why these people turn over because you didn't put that right SOP together on the front end and find that ideal person and then start working around it. And it's It's hard. That's leadership in itself, but you're back. Sorry, my crux is, and I went down a rabbit hole. Is you're great. Transitioning from a worker bee to a leader is hard, and some people just can't do it. It's, I have to be realistic because I've trained many people or try to groom them for management, and some people just don't have the.
0: Yeah, and that, you know, I say this all the time. What we get wrong inside companies is that we only think about the path to progression as people leadership. Yeah. We need paths for individual contributors so that they can feel good and feel they're continuing to progress inside their career as well. And to the point that you're talking about, do you know when? Do you know where a good diet starts? At the beginning, the start. it starts at the gro. It starts at the grocery store, right? Yeah. If you put the right things in your cart. You can't. You can't eat the wrong things. The same thing with a great company. A great company starts with your hiring practice. And if you are not incredibly intentional about the process, and I tell people this all the time, I don't hire people. I invite people on the mission that we're on. Here's where we're going. We're going to go positively impact 5 million people over the next five years through Better Business. We're very clear about what it is that we're doing. Everyone who's involved with me knows that we're very clear about what it is that we're doing. And so if someone is not performing We're going to love them. We're going to address behaviors and tie it to vision, values, or objectives where they're missing the mark. And if for whatever reason their world has changed, um, then we're going to say very lovingly, hey, Ryan, this is Mm -hmm. not working out. And we disinvite you from the mission. And because our responsibility is to continue to bring people in who are aligned on that approach, who are going to go make that impact and are going to help us go make and achieve that vision. It's
1: the only way to go about it. And we struggle with that too, man. We could talk for hours on this stuff. And this is, (laughs) but this is life. This is, I don't know how to describe it. It's sometimes you can just boil it down to one simple thing, common sense, and then work from there. And I know common sense is broad, but really for me, it boils down to is how well do you treat your employees or others that you work with? And then the humanization piece is what really got me early on in my career because before it was was more about turning the numbers, making sure I hit goals. But then once I realized I got out on the collection floor and I started interacting with the agents and I started working directly with coach and starting to start just getting knee deep in in the weeds with the people, everything Mm -hmm. changed. And my perspective changed, my management style changed, even though I was... Typically on calls all day, my door was always open. I would have employees come in and want to sit down and just chat with me and talk to me about something going on and give me some updates. So then we could make some decisions and say, okay, do we need to, do we need to make an adjustment on the dialer campaign or the text messaging campaign? Whatever. It was just a lot easier to be a leader
0: when you actually humanize the people that you're working with. Yesterday, so I'm in the middle of delivering a course that I call the leadership gap. And so I have, I do it as a cohort. So people go through it together and there's accountability, but we were talking about making sure that people are talking inside an organization. I said, our goal is to build world-class relationships with our employees. That should always be your mindset is how do we build world-class relationships? So I was writing 23 ideas about how to build world-class relationships with your people. And like never lunch alone, always bring your employees to lunch. Don't ever talk about work. And make sure that you buy lunch, right? Make sure that your employees, what their spouse's name is, what their interests are, their kids do, how old their kids are. You have to actually just give a shit about your people. Yep. And if you don't, that's okay. Just be an individual contributor. But if you are going to go into leadership, then you actually have to genuinely care and be curious about your people. Because again, all of your work is done through your people. You don't, you're you not doing the doing anymore. Your work is supporting your people, giving them clarity on what it is that they do, challenge, support, comfort, all of those fun things.
1: It's funny, and we can wrap this piece up, is I worked for several large, I want to call them, they're probably Fortune 50s. And one of the things they did was in, they called it EOS, Employee Opinion Surveys. And it was always funny to see right when it came out a couple weeks before. My peer group, my boss, all of them are trying to bribe people and so forth. And I typically was, I was typically in the top five percentile in, in my peer group. And I even outranked some of my VPs that I worked for. It's funny is, and they're like, what do you do? I get out on the floor and I talk to people. I interact with them. I have meetings. I have team meetings. I literally would change some of the ways we did things just from team meetings where the team leader and the coach were actually holding their team leader or holding their team meetings on a weekly basis. I would show up, sit down and just listen and be a fly in the wall. And if something that that needed to be said, I would say it. But otherwise, I was just there to absorb and learn. And that's where I learned a lot of that stuff. And it's like... That just translated to all my other positions and it allowed me to grow quicker in corporate America, but it didn't, and then we're back to this other piece. It didn't allow me to stop chasing the paycheck because the paychecks start coming. They start getting bigger. You get quarterly annual bonuses. You're now, you now are an officer corporation. You've got different responsibilities. And the one piece that never left me was I wanted to be part of the people and let them know that they're humans just like I am, but. The chasing of the paycheck was the piece that kind of just, it went straight yeah. down. It
0: just killed. I think, I think it's really interesting. I was just having this conversation with a leader recently. And the, you know, when COVID happened, we understood very clearly that people had mistaken comfort for security. And so it was very comfortable that I got paid on the 15th and 30th every month. And what I mistook that for was security. security. And then the world changed. And businesses had to pivot and they laid people off. And suddenly that check was not showing up on the 15th and 30th anymore. And I think we have to get out of our mindset that a paycheck is security. It's comfortable, but it is not secure. Businesses change their minds all the time, every single day, and no one is indispensable to any business. And the only way that I have found to become indispensable to a business is, or at least not fire yourself, is to actually start the business and be the owner.
1: (laughs) And that is the only way signing the front of the check versus the back of the check. It is, we go into a whole nother conversation, but that's true. But, and we'll, and I'll digress a little bit and we'll finish up is me as a leader, I'm, I struggle with being an individual contributor. I really an entrepreneur, I struggle with that. I have virtual assistants. I have some project managers, but they're all remote. So you, yep. I've learned how to manage them in a, a different light. And now we're looking at, okay, having project managers on the ground, they're going to be reporting. There's a lot of different things. And probably the first four years of being an entrepreneur and being an in, individual contributor, I sucked. I really did. There was no way around it because I'm used to having support staff and people around me that I could delegate to. And it's like, man, I got to do all this work myself now. Crap. How do I do this? So it taught me how to prioritize better, schedule better, be able to manage some of the things that I didn't want to manage better to where then I could hand it off to somebody once I knew Mm -hmm. how to do it. Today, anything that comes in the door that I have to physically do before it goes out to my VA or a project manager, I do. I might want to make sure I can master it, and then I can put a video together for them, an SOP, documentation, whatever, so they're set up for success. And that has truly changed the way I manage also.
0: Yeah, I th- I think you're right. I look at the course of my career and the levers that you can pull in creating scale. People is one. And when I started this business, one of the first hires I made was my assistant because I hate administrative stuff. It's not a great use of my time, but... Maria loves being organized and she's great at it. And I love having her. She's amazing. But levers in the business, you can, people is one, training is another, better systems and process is another. And my favorite is technology. How do you automate things? How do you create scale? But those are the four levers that I have found in creating scale in the business. And the real trick is, Ryan, how do I put an ounce in and get a pound out? Right. And mm. so the more operational leverage I have, the more outputs I'm getting for every unit of effort I'm putting in. And I think we're coming back to entrepreneurs. We're told this dream of work hard and harder, keep on working 50 hours, 60 hours. Like, okay. To what end? Just so I can stack Benjamin's into my bank account. Yeah, that's cool. Awesome. Not at the cost of all the other things that happen when you do that. And so you have to figure out how you can increase your productivity through your levers. Amen to all that.
1: So, we're going to wrap it up here. We're hitting the top of the hour and we're about an hour long here. So, how could everybody get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, the easiest place is to go to provenchaos.com. That is my main website. And then, like you, I also have a show called bestplacestolead.com to com, where I get to interview award winning CEOs and thought leaders, people who have had their teeth bashed in and live to tell about it and share it with all the rest of us because. You know, my brother gave me the best advice I've ever gotten. He loved to party more than he loved to go to school. And so when he went off to the Navy after failing out of college, he looked at me because we shared a room. He's eight years older than I am. And he said, Jerry, learn from my mistakes. I made them for you. And I was like, damn, I don't have to get my teeth bashed in. I can just learn from other people. And that's what I try and do with Best Places to Lead. It's part of the mission to positively impact 5 million people. So, those are the two best places to find
1: me. I will make sure we put both those in the show notes. So they're linked there so people can find it. And we'll make sure we get the word out about your podcast too, because that'll be really good. And I'll joke in aside, if someone wants to be impacted by what you're doing, would they come to your website and just reach out to you and just put an interest in there, contact us, whatever? Or is there another way
0: to go about that? You know what? The, the best place to, to come is if you go to Proven Chaos. Every Thursday from two to three o'clock Eastern time, and this goes back to November, 2019, I've been doing this. So nearly three years, uh, I run office hours and it's an opportunity for senior leaders. We come together, anything you have going on, you don't just get me. I show up every week, but you get whoever is available that week. I think there's been more than 250 entrepreneurs and senior leaders who have come and shown up and you get people say, you know what? Ryan, I had that same situation. Let me give you the guy that you need to talk to, or hey, go check out this website. And so you get people just willing to help each other and make the world a better place. And that's a great place for an introduction to come again every Thursday, two to three o'clock. It's right at the top banner of provenchaos.com. You can register and come join us. You got me sold. I'd love to come. Check it out. Come. It's amazing. It's been an amazing community. In fact, last year, Let's think, we had 15 CEOs come in from all over the country to Jacksonville, which is where I live. And it was all based around people who had met at office hours. And they were like, you need to do something. This is, this would be amazing if we could all come together and put that together in February. We're going to do it again this year too. And so I would love for you, you'd be a great, you'd be a great guest to come hang out with us. So please do that. I will check it out. Is it, is there one on this week too? Yeah, every week. We every Thanksgiving. week. We miss Thanksgiving. We miss occasional holidays or if I'm yeah. traveling, maybe. But e- even then, like the community, I'll put out to the community hey, is there anyone available to host office hours? And there's a handful of people that are really amazing leaders who so will say, yeah, I'll run office hours this week. It's become bigger than me, which is super cool to watch.
1: That's awesome. I will come check it out for sure. That's that. That's great. Yeah. There's entrepreneurs, as an entrepreneur, I can never get enough help because I, know. I don't know everything and I'm never going to pretend to know everything. But at the end of the day, and this, and I'll end on this, if you don't have some type of mentor in your life as an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. you're missing out. I have two right now and I potentially could get three or four. I don't know. Maybe awesome. I find one. Maybe I find one off of office hours. I don't know. But yeah. how do you continue to grow as a human being, entrepreneur, whatever you're doing, whatever your craft is, if you're not talking to somebody or spending time with other people, like you said, that have already made the mistakes and have already learned from it and can share
0: their knowledge, that's huge. It is huge. It is it is a gift to have people show up every week because it's, man, this is so cool, so fun. You get to see all these unique things that are happening in the world. And as I always say, you never quite know what's going to happen in office hours. I was talking to a friend of mine this morning. He birthed a business out of office hours. Wow. He was like, the the reason I have the business that I'm in now is because I started coming to Office Hours. And to me, it was pretty cool. That
1: is really cool. That's cool. I will come check it out. I first have to work on your podcast, make sure it gets out, and we get that launched out. (laughs) Jerry, thank you for coming on at the last moment. I am honored. It's been a blast talking to you. You have a lot of knowledge, and I will make sure we get this out, and you get to impact as many people as you can. Not 5 million,
0: make it 10 million. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate you and your approach. and This has been super fun. I get to be on these every once in a while, and some people are good hosts and ask good questions and some not as good. And you're certainly on the upside of, of people that I've, <laughs> I've been uh, spending some time with. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah,
1: thank you. Thank you for coming on. I'm honored. So have a great one and uh, keep impacting
0: more people on a daily basis. See ya. See ya.